Hollywood loves monsters. Hell, most of them work there. But despite their affinity for the animal kingdom, it doesn't seem like they have much idea how they work. Today, we take a look at some of the most egregious examples of zoology in cinema, as what else can you do when you have an unwanted opinion but make a podcast about it? Welcome, everyone, to the first of maybe two or three podcasts that we make, as yet untitled, on the topic of zoology. Uh, With us here are three of, well, quite frankly, three of the people that I know. Uh, Phoebe. Hello, I'm Phoebe. Matthew. Hello there. And Georgia. Hi. And today we're here to talk about a very important topic, which is why can't Hollywood get animals right? To do that, we've decided to uh, take three case studies of uh, three films that represent animals in different ways, and uh, to talk about them, what they get right, what they get wrong, and uh, what that means to the public perception of animals as a whole. So, the uh, the, the three films that we've chosen to do are uh, The Grey, 2011 film starring Liam Neeson, The Shallows, a 2016 film starring Blake Lively, and the Jungle Book remake, the 2016 live action, live action Disney uh, remake of the beloved children's classic. Now do we ha- want to do we want to say the name of Mowgli in this? Because we've named every other lead. Oh, do you know it? No. Just say just say Patrick Stewart because he's in it. So. What? No, he isn't. Of who? Do you mean Ben Kingsley? Do you mean Ben, Kings- ben Kingsley Bagheera? <laughs> Isn't Patrick Stewart dead? Oh, no, he's not dead. Patrick Stewart? <laughs> I thought he was Patrick Stewart. Oh, of course. No, it's not. No. You're right. It's Ben Kingsley. Shit. Anyway, back to the okay. podcast. Right. So, where do we want to start? Let's start with The Grey. Um, it's a film about a suicidal Liam Neeson um, who has inexplicably lost his family, um, crashes... Uh, in the Alaskan wilderness, um, on a on a plane ride home from the oil rig or whatever it was that he was working in, and then gets uh, stalked and hunted down by wolves, and it culminates in the greatest uh, CGI fight between a man and a wolf uh, in history that nobody gets to see. <laughs> the truly the revenant of uh, cinema. I've heard it yeah, described yeah. as. You know? Well, essentially, I was thinking it's a Rocky ending, isn't it? You know, in the end of Rocky? Yeah, yeah. yeah the... It's a pl- basically plagiarism. <laughs> That's all it is. They had uh, Sylvester Stallone on to uh, supervise the Well, script. actually, he played the wolf. Oh, really? <laughs> um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> It's alright, because I can just see the scissors working, so it's fine. Just just to highlight a few of the key points that, that the, the Grey got wrong with regards to wolves, before we get on to the you know, actual other issues at, at work with the film. Um, one, of the, one of the initial parts that, that Mr. Neeson brings up is um, that they have a territorial range over 300 miles. Um, whilst that can occur... Um, like depending on prey abundance, you would have thought that um, due to the environment that they were in and and 
you know the the likelihood of them having to to travel 300 miles just to find food is very unlikely especially if they have a den um so i mean it it's not necessarily a lie but it's it's probably not true um or unlikely at the very least in the film does it say up to 300 no, he says 300, and he says a 60-kilometer um, killing range, which makes no sense to have a specific killing range within that. That makes it sound like it can jump it's... 60k. <laughs> it's, a, it's a satellite. Is he implying, then, that it would chase prey for 60 kilometers? Yeah, or it can or... sense prey, maybe, 60 yeah. kilometers? I don't think that a wolf can sense prey. You can probably smell them quite far, but not 60 kilometers. Um, I, I just found out what a pack territory would yeah. be. And it's 80 to 3,000 square kilometers, depending on prey abundance. Was that... Sorry, was that timber wolf range or grey wolf range? Uh, well, I can only really find grey wolf. Grey or timber wolf. <laughs> so that's helpful. Um, this is grey wolf. Okay. They they actually they don't specify as to whether or not they are timber or grey. They make a reference to timber wolves, but there's nothing to say that they are timber or grey. They are they are realistically a wolf. Um, well, unrealistically a wolf. <laughs> they are realistically a wolf. Um, I, I think that leans into the fact that they don't care. Um, yeah. It was just mm-hmm. they were just big scary nasty wolves that didn't behave like wolves didn't particularly look like wolves um um he also then says um that if the wolves are sorry if the survivors of the of the plane crash are close to the den or just simply within that 300 mile radius the wolves will attack them um that's that's again very unlikely um wolves for the most part behaviorally are, are, are big old bitches um, scared of people. Just as like a interesting bit, this isn't for the podcast, and I'm just derailing this whole thing now. My um, <laughs> I went on a date with someone a few well a, a few months ago, and he was in Canada when a wolf attacked a group in the camp next to, and but it was an, mm. a lone wolf that was starving. Yeah. Um, and it's because he didn't lock food away or anything, and it tried to attack a baby, and then the father got involved, and they ended up the people on the camp ended up stoning the pretty much stoning the. A wolf to death. Anyway, but the only reason it attacked was because it was a lone wolf and it had no food because it had been kicked out of the group. Yeah, it was an omega wolf. Yeah, that That's is that is one. that is a point that that will be made. Yeah. Um, anyway, carry on. Obviously, if if you know if this plane has crashed very close to the wolves' den, um, there is probably a higher chance that the wolves would attack. Um, Due to that that feeling of being threatened and not really having anywhere else to to move from from their den, um, but again, chances are they're just going to run away. Um, the other thing that that was mentioned that I that I did pick out, I wasn't sure whether or not it was it was true, but it did sound fairly unlikely. Um, was that they can the wolves could smell that the people were wounded. Um, <laughs> now, <laughs> there's blood in yeah, the water. It 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 has that same old shark sort of feel to it of just it's just a villain and they need to make it scarier so it's got hyper senses. Yeah. Um, 
that that's that's very much a, a conversation in a, like an executive writer's yeah. room it's like yeah. so all of the all of this snowstorm and all of this weather and and Liam Neeson leading them away from the crash site surely that means the wolves can't find them how are they going to find them <laughs> and then the other writer will have gone oh I don't care they can smell yeah, them that's the one can I can I have my check please um so yeah yeah I mean it's Hollywood isn't it I mean all the wolves were animatronic I mean, that that's a, that's the first point yeah the wolves look like shit yeah. in that film especially the alpha yeah, every in my opinion the alpha every close-up with a wolf it looked like it just looked like a barrel covered in carpet hair yeah it's just i, I don't would they, would they i don't know a lot about the colorings of wolves would they be that black would it make sense for them to be that black if they're living in snowy like landscapes it's to make them more sinister isn't it that's that's it what is, it, is. it is um and a lot of a lot of parts about the the robotic ones they used i mean they're always like dribbling and like they look like they've got rabies and you know they do they dribble so much there's a comedic amount of saliva but even a even a an attacking wolf would not dribble that much when it's about to eat something it... even pavlov's bloody dog wouldn't actually <laughs> drool that much yeah it's just it's just the whole point of this film i think like it is the whole point of this film is to make out wolves of these vengeful evil creatures that are out to kill you if you're in like a 300 mile radius and like you're dead if you're there like it, they're just not realistic i don't think they ever looked into making them realistic i don't even think they wanted to make them realistic no i this film i don't think up until like the final draft i don't think this film was ever about wolves <laughs> i think this film was made a jellyfish this film could have been made on an on an alien planet where some it's like the exact same plot an alien spacecraft goes down liam neeson and a band of survivors walk through this hostile environment and get picked off one by one by a malevolent force they probably chose to make it wolves about 20 minutes before wrapping up the script yeah. I mean, what was the budget for this film, really? Because there were like eight people in it. And Frank Grillo was in it. I mean, <laughs> you got to pay the big bucks for Frank. No, I think that this film, this film wants to explore themes of inevitability and acceptance. It's about a group of people coming to terms with their own death. That's really what it's about. If you ignore the fact that it's about wolves. Yeah. The problem is they've used wolves as a vessel to express this, and it's just shoddy when you know what wolves are like. Yeah. And the only thing I can give this film credit for is that every other film like this is, is like a shark. That, that's the only thing. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. Like, you know, the easiest thing, easiest film to make out into like a thriller movie of like a dangerous animal as a shark which we'll cover next on the next film but like it's, it's the same premise you could write the film exactly the same and have the the boat the boat the plane crash into water yeah, yeah. You, you make a very good point you know you could have the plane crashing into water they're mm-hmm. stuck on a raft and or a, or an island and or a, or a boy um and one by one they just get yeah picked off by a shark because people make silly decisions they try to escape and it's just it's it's very much so as 
both of you have said is that taking a story, picking it up, and then just putting it in any location and finding an animal that can then fit the villain profile. There is nothing in this film that is unique to wolves. No. There no. is no master tactic or hunting method or or behavior. They've tr- they've is. tried to, and they've got it wrong. The- the flanking that they do do that they do they he keeps yelling they're flanking us i think he yelled that like three times on three different ones i also completely disagree with the fact that like a wolf could sneak into a camp at night and silently kill a man when he's going for the belly yeah Yeah. like um i have like the whole start of that point where he just sneaks into camp and kills him for the point of like wolves don't do that they don't they don't expend all of that energy just to be a dickhead really they're not vengeful they don't eat him no they don't <laughs> eat him. they don't even drag him away the only one they drag away is the one that falls out of the tree wolves don't hunt for sport I... no wolves don't hunt for sport they... this is the wolves are not like machiavellian scheming geniuses like they're just big dogs aren't they yeah. like, have you ever met a dog that's it was like right now we're gonna pincer them and send in an omega <laughs> and, and they they kill for like obviously to feed the pack you know they're not gonna bother killing humans for food we're not that tasty we have not got that much fat on us you know one person is not gonna feed an entire pack of i don't know how they could be up to like 30 wolves in a pack aren't there i don't know how many there are in this yeah like you know it, they, if they're gonna kill something they have to kill like an elk or or something big enough to feed everyone something you know. substantial well it's like if you're gonna anthropomorphize an animal go all the way why have them speak <laughs> who cares do it properly yeah. you know they should be wearing top hats <laughs> they should yeah and the last shot should be um christopher walken the black the, uh, <laughs> the black wolf voiced by christopher walken going this is for killing my friends exactly the other thing that i did notice when they jumped off the cliff into the trees Mm. and the bloke fell to the ground the wolves were already on the ground yeah like there was a big ravine there was water as far as the eye could see in both directions the only way down was uh was to fling themselves into the tree which okay did you not see that bit well they tied. They made the rope, and then two wolves actually went. Oh, over did first. they? Well, what I was going to say is they actually yeah, abseiled yeah. like a seal team because the yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they actually like if they let them go, you know, they they parasailed down. They were already there. It was all organised. The the attack they planned the previously, was yeah, like using hand signals to yeah. uh, tell them what to do. Exactly. And they flanked them. Yeah. <laughs> they flanked them. They flanked them on one yeah. rope. Yeah. That was amazing. Also, just from a filmmaker's perspective, right? I thought it would have been cool, and I was really hoping they'd do this. There are some parts of the film I'd like. I liked, just from a filmmaker's perspective. I liked the bit where the plane crashed and his wife gets like zipped out into the air. Very I thought yeah. that was cool. That, that also happens in Sharknado, so <laughs> let's not get very excited about that. Second point. I mean, Sharknado can have a. Sharknado, good scene. Sharknado is, is the Citizen Kane of animal films, <laughs> so we can't complain it to, well, compare it to that. I was also going to say, does that mean you are classifying yourself as a filmmaker there officially? We've made a film. I've made a film. <laughs> Fair. It wasn't good, but I didn't make it. Fair enough. I, I'm, I'm, I wasn't criticizing. I was just clarifying. <laughs> I liked that bit. I thought it would have been cool. You know the bit where the guy who gets clarted when he falls off the rope bridge. 
his like his glasses fall off. I'm yeah. So mad about why he would wear his fucking glasses. Yeah. Do you not think if his glasses fell off, it'd have been way cooler if the shot would have gone into like soft focus? Oh, just he's all of a sudden because he can't see. Uh... Yeah, because it's blurry. I don't know. That's just me. But... I'd prefer the film if it wasn't about vengeful, unrealistic wolves. <laughs> okay, yeah, that's also valid. <laughs> so I think I think there there were two two saving points for the for the film. Um, the first, obviously, being that the wolves were in the right environment. I'll give them that. You know what? <laughs> That's I, good. I know it's the bar I, is so low. I appreciate that is that is the lowest of the lows for the bar, but it is it is a it is a worthy point. Um, as we will see in the next film, um, and the <laughs> Stephen, and the second one is um, the first time we see a wolf. It is scavenging a dead body, and yeah. Yeah. that's actually a fairly realistic behaviour. Wolves will scavenge, yeah. they won't always hunt, they'll take what they can get. And in the wilderness, if there is a shortage of prey at this time for them, for whatever reason, and let's just suspend you know, belief for a moment and say the wolves had to hunt the humans down because they were that low on food and that close to starving... Um, then it would make sense that wolves would come to an area in which there was a lot of dead meat that they could then eat. Um, That's fair. Uh, and so, yeah, well, when when we consider the film as a whole, um, I think from a zoological shithousery standpoint, it gets a solid 8 out of 10 in my eyes. I have to go exactly the same as Hanley. I think he's completely right. Um... First time I know, it's a shock, I'll be honest. <laughs> First time it's ever, ever been it's said. A world but Hanley premiere. was right. Um, it's just unrealistic. You can tell, as Will said, the, the process of this film was to write the story and then pick an animal that is scary enough to fit it, but have no realistic information about the animal. Um, I don't like how it's a vengeful animal. I just think that's a really tired storyline. Um, there's just really ridiculous parts of the film, and I just think overall if we're looking at accuracy and even if we want to rate how hard they tried to make it accurate i think you know it's out of a scale of it being really bad you know it it is an eight or even more but i'm saving the ones above eight for our next film so i was about to say speaking of tired attempts at making (laughs) a vegetable animal introducing (laughs) yeah anyway george do you want to rate and then yeah i'm gonna agree 8 out of 10, just because the animatronic wolf, like, got me. If you're going to make a really angry black wolf, there's probably one in captivity that you can borrow for a wee time. You know? Also, the drooling. The drooling made me uncomfortable. (laughs) Too much drool. 8 out of 10 badness. I don't like this rating system. (laughs) I don't like it. Can we change it? I just don't like it. Or maybe this is our point of our podcast. We just change the rating system, and the next one will be like, oh, actually, we give it one out of ten. I'm going to give uh, the shallows four starfish <laughs> out of five. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you've, we've we've wrapped that up fairly well. Yeah. It's it's a uh, it's it's a tired trope, uh, a, a cookie cutter animal vengeance film thrown into a, a new setting. But doesn't add anything to it. Yeah. So let's move on to another time. Exactly the same another problem. Another example <laughs> of an animal. <sighs> yeah. Okay. 
do we need an emotional Listen. moment just to all pause before we begin this? Please, for us to be this, truly yeah, this, ready please, to really like discuss this. I'm gonna take a moment. And take a deep breath. Get my four pages of notes out. <laughs> yeah. All them sticky notes you got on your wall just shouting shit. I, I wrote in an actual pad this time. Ah, oh, same. Holy wow. <laughs> okay. We're ready. So the f- right. So the second <laughs> film is the is the masterpiece that is The Shallows, starring Blake Lively. And before we start anything, before we start any good points, bad points, whatever, I just want to point out that this film has a 78% on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> now, there's a lot to be said. Yeah, because dumb people. <laughs> there's a lot to be said for ratings and the whole Rotten Tomatoes thing, and it's all nonsense. Like, what, like people can only rate something a 10 or a 0. All that kind of nonsense. But the fact is, it got generally favourable reviews. Now, <laughs> The Shallows is a film in which Blake Lively goes surfing on an isolated beach in Mexico and is then stalked and preyed on by a vengeful great white shark for 90 minutes. There are so many egregiouses packed into such a short space of time that this this for me is honestly one of the worst films that I've ever watched and I think you all feel the Very same Very much way. so. 100%. And I watched Aquaman. <laughs> <laughs> Genu- there is a case for Aquaman to be put as more of an accurate representation of how fish behave. 100%. <laughs> Even when they got the in the whale's mouth. That's more accurate. <laughs> <laughs> so, where where to begin? <laughs> nowhere good. <laughs> nowhere, nowhere good. Let's start out with the fact that, again, this is a film in which an animal in the wild, which is absolutely not capable of any feelings of malice or vengeance, is m- malicious and vengeful towards a human being. Does anyone have anything they'd like to? I have many, many points, but I just don't know if we're ready for that kind of anger that I've got towards this film yet. Maybe we need to lead up to did it. They, did they get anything right? Did, okay, yes, that's a good point. What did they get The right? shark was in the great sea. White. That was correct. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know what? You do get great white sharks off the coast of Mexico. Yeah, location again, as with the grey, they didn't fluff that. Not in the shallows, that being though. Said, the name of the fucking film... <laughs> Yeah, but to be fair, at this point, she's fucking left the shallows. She's she's in deep enough water that there's a whale carcass. Yeah, but it's also shallow enough for there to be tides. True, true. Second point, it's also not completely true because there's a seagull there that is native to New Zealand. And as we understand it, when we did background research to this film, they chose that seagull because it was the best actor. On the job, including Blake Lively. (laughs) (laughs) Blake Lively. It had uh, an injured left wing uh, and could was mildly trained, and that's why they chose it. They didn't care to see if that gull lived anywhere near Mexico. No. They just chose it. In the little like um, article I read, was that a fisherman? Yeah, we've been okay, watching sorry. On the Bank as uh... well as the Chelsea game for the past 30 minutes. <laughs> um 
in the article I read, they didn't even address the fact. They weren't even like, well, he is from New Zealand. But they just straight up called him, what is it, a red-billed girl? Or a a red, red-billed girl, Red-billed yes. girl. <sighs> but, again, the, the, the wrong location of a, a girl is is small fry in this film compared to what else they got wrong. I'd like to point out Miley's favourite bit in the film. Which is when, instead of tucking into a nice juicy whale carcass, <laughs> this must be 15 to 20 foot great white, decides to catch a sick wave <laughs> <laughs> to attack a six stone no, eight stone blonde woman for its meal. So, first of all, it's just unrealistic in general. But second of all, why would a shark put itself in that much danger? I get it's for like visual pleasing. You can see the ominous shape in the wave or something. But it's just stupid. No shark would ever do that. Like, it's dangerous for them. They can get turned upside down and like rattled around it's just stupid they can get completely beached yeah. if they did that mm. they, could, they could go into like coral reefs or like rocks like happens in the film they just wouldn't do it it's, it's, it's probably the equivalent of going to a nice restaurant for this shark it's the equivalent of going to a nice restaurant having a three course meal served up for you and then you at the last second deciding to run into the toilet to eat a urinal <laughs> yeah exactly or not even that Throw yourself down a garbage chute to land in the in the yeah. in the big bin. Yeah, in a chicken wing bin, hoping that's been in there. you can lick off something of the knife. Exactly. Also, maybe the shark was in the wave by accident, was worried that it was about to die, saw Blake lively and just blamed her, and then took a bite out of her leg. No, maybe she, he was like, Blake, watch out, and his mouth was open from shouting, <laughs> accidentally clamped down on her leg. Shit, man. Maybe there was something I also picked up about the actual bite, the first bite on a leg, um, was that that grey white shark, We like it's massive, isn't it? It's a big grey white shark. I don't know exactly how big it is, but I'd say it's probably like 15 foot. It's big. The jaw mm. of a great white shark at that size, it just take the leg. Like, it's yeah. going to... Like, I know they don't go for humans, but it's not going to be three little cuts like that. That's not what a shark bite looks like. <laughs> A great white shark's bite, especially a shark that size, cannot be stapled up by two sets of earrings. Blunt <laughs> earrings as well. Yeah. Oh, I, I was just like so unhappy with that scene because she's like, oh yeah, like pretending to give herself some lidocaine or whatever it is. And I'm sorry, but that would make you pass out yeah. that pain. The film made me pass out from pain. <laughs> you you forget Blake knew what she was doing though because she she dropped out of med school. She's a medical she dropped student. out of med school too, so she she knew that she knew the basics and on how to suture a wound. Like she she was a, she was a, a I, smart cookie that one. I do think that they only made her a medical student so that on that really awful um, recording on the GoPro she could be like it goes distally and then it changes and it becomes whatever the other term is and you're like just be like I've got a big ass cut on my leg, mate. Like. But I, knowing about the unfortunately yeah. we are getting slightly off topic here critiquing the the writing Sorry. of the film I mean, I, we're all guilty of yeah. it i mean it's very funny um it's just fun to bash on this film 
again I'd just like to make a small point that is actually about the shark but is also about filmmaking in that with as, as the same as with the grey the shark is a tool to represent a theme that I don't think the film fully understands itself and certainly cannot equate these themes to an actual living shark if the shark is a representation of her mother's death as as I think is what they're going for here I think the shark was meant to be a representation of the mother's death and her guilt and something like that but you can't then make a film in which she's racked by guilt but the guilt takes the form of an 18 foot great white shark <laughs> I think you're, you're like clasping at straws here because I think realistically this film is about Blake Lively in a bikini getting bit by a shark no, but it, 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 it does say like the reason that she's she's like gone to Mexico is because she's a, a med student but had to watch her mum die she's like what's the point of it all if I couldn't help my mum so yeah that's a trivial like, point. That's the, the plot. <laughs> they were going for it, but they just... Swing and a miss. They, yes, swing and a miss. Fair enough. Anyway, let's go back to pure zoological facts, because that's what the people aren't the, listening the, to this for. The thing is, right, you can't specifically... Like, everything that the shark does, the shark wouldn't do. You, you could go through the film and be like, wouldn't do that. They don't roar. <laughs> like, sharks don't roar. They can't. They don't... They don't... Like, if the shark beached itself well partially beached itself on the buoy like it does at one point and starts snapping at this metal it's gonna leave it's gonna get like spooked it's it's gonna swim away be distracted by the uh the nice meal carcass, yeah. the carcass and go for that when she's bleeding i'm kind of like yeah it can sense but she like she stops bleeding after a while she like she puts that thing on her leg and she isn't like blood isn't pouring out of her anymore so this shark couldn't really track her because they track stressful like like um, agitated wave movements and she's swimming nicely yeah mm. the shark wouldn't go for her in that situation mm. she doesn't present as weak so it's not going to expend energy to hunt her down the, the other thing i noticed as well there's there's a bit i don't know who it is when the shark attacks one of the people coming to like save her whatever yeah. and um she's sat on i think she sat on the rock and she's looking in and you can see the beach and then you can see like the area, and then there's the two guys like on their um, surfboard swimming out, um, and it's like this whole like tense bit where you don't know where the shark is, and then suddenly, quite close to the beach, a shark comes up from the water, knocking this guy on a surfboard in the air, and grabbing him midair. Yeah, that in itself is quite a realistic way of shark sharks hunting because they do come up from leaf, yeah. but not that close to the like how could a shark be so far underneath the human to get the power to do that when it's it seems like it for me it seemed like it was right next to the beach yeah you yeah. need a, the shark needs a hell of a runner yeah or the equivalent we've all to me, to <laughs> yeah and you've watched the you've watched we've all watched the footage of great white sharks smacking a seal into the sky exactly a seal weighs 20 kilos, 25 kilos. That guy probably weighed about 75. Mm -hmm. So it would need three times the force <laughs> to, to twat that guy into the air. With regards to to the power, obviously, I mean, we all know how that shark did it. The shark turned itself upright, used a trampoline on the seabed, and then attacked the guy from below. <laughs> um, 
which is explicitly it is explicitly stated. Stated. <laughs> it's in the credits if you read through it, it is it is there if you manage to sit through the film to the credits it is there um that's what but I actually there, there was a couple of things that that well one that georgia brought up um i'll address that in a second but the the angle of attack is so wrong and i mean will the, the force that you said that would be required to lift that that person out of the air have we forgotten that when the shark hits the whale carcass yeah the shark, oh, yeah. The shark comes out of the water at a 45 degree angle the camera <laughs> angle before that that was supposed to be from the shark's point of view is pretty much on the surface it's not really anywhere in deeper water exactly it's a, a, a horizontal then all of a sudden 45 degree launch and it's lifting a fucking whale carcass i think it's a baby whale but even, i've got to be honest i don't think that's a fully grown humpback whale. even then just to, a, just a baby know. whale is going to be a few tons yeah. you know i hate to pull you up handy but they did actually say in the credits that there was a ramp underneath the whale <laughs> you see i just must have missed that bit i was too busy reading about the trampoline yeah it's expository you got it's, it's a deep film you got to watch it twice right. there's this <laughs> called the shallows yeah. this film was actually filmed at a, a bounce house <laughs> it was filmed at a bounce house <laughs> It was it was a bounce house full of water um, that Blake Lively escaped her mum's death to go to. Right. Okay, that makes more sense. Anywho, um, <laughs> that's not making. I feel it like my joke should have. There's a bit in the background where a child is trying to kick a foam ball into a goal. <laughs> the second yeah. point that Georgia made, or certainly the point that Georgia made that I really wanted to bring up, was was the shark biting the boy. Buoy. You know, for your American listeners, um, <laughs> who the the shark is biting scaffolding. It's biting through solid metal. You know, they're saying that this shark has the the power to do so. Those teeth would have shattered. <laughs> the fact that it goes from biting through a chunk of biting through a chunk of a a, a boy without without getting hurt in the slightest and then swims straight down into a pile of rebar that just tears it to ribbons it was the laziest laziest writing i think i have ever seen forget forget the biological standpoints that that are being broken here that f- oh. do, you know, do you know what else was really funny that's similar to that you know how this whole storyline that someone else had got him and he had this fish hook out of his mouth? Yeah. Mm. There's a bit where this shark who ten minutes before completely like bulldozed a whale-like carcass gets hooked onto a tiny little bit of metal <laughs> and somehow is trapped. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, oh, yeah. I can't move it. Like, I, I, I don't understand that, why they expected us to believe that. And that was the same shark that headbutted a whale into the sky. <laughs> yeah. Is now trapped on by six a, inches of metal. By a six millimeter oh. piece of aluminium. <laughs> also, the jellyfish scene. Oh, don't. Where she just develops some kind of like. Sh- like. I don't know whether they were trying to suggest that they were bioluminescent or that she was like high and seeing things. Also, she was underwater for a hell of a long time and she's a medical student dropout not a free diving student dropout so i don't know how she managed to stay under for that long and also she's like she watched him cut his face open on some coral and then was like ah oh, yes he won't like the jellyfish because that is the same 
Was the coral not supposed to sting the shark rather like, than cut the shark? That was certainly my thinking does, behind it. They they say at the beginning she, of the film, oh, oh be careful it? of yeah, that coral. Do. Oh, I do apologize. Um, it stings like jellyfish. That's like a uh. anecdotal <laughs> thing. Yeah. I d- I'll that's take that's back some my really point, good though. expository writing there. It's like, yeah, it stings like jellyfish. I bet if you swim through it and a shark's chasing you, it probably won't. <laughs> but then get on the boy and fire a flare. Oh, right, I have some flares. things to talk about. Okay, <laughs> I want to just mention the fact that... I don't know if I want to make this point now or I want to make it at the end as like a wrap-up statement. But I'll make it now and then we can make it twice. What is the... the, the this is all... Let's be honest, nitpicking. We all understand that the reason they make these films is because it's entertaining to see large animals take on humans. Apparently. No one's really getting hurt. Or are they? Because the fact is, when you make a film like this, you sort of perpetuate ignorance towards animals. Which doesn't seem bad in itself, but it, it sets a dangerous precedent as to how we perceive certain species. That's the point of this. That's kind of what we're here to discuss, is that it's frustrating from our point of view to see sharks and wolves, you know, perpetrated as Machiavellian geniuses that hunt and stalk their prey and are really smart. Because that implies they're really threatening. Whereas a shark is just a big fish (laughs) and a wolf is just a big dog. And that's what we learnt in four years of zoology. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And it says that on the bottom of my degree. <laughs> but the point is, do you know how many people are killed by sharks in the world every year? Three. No. <laughs> it's ten. Ten people were killed last year by sharks, which means that 30% of all shark fatalities in a year were taken place in that film. Aren't more people killed by cows? More people are killed by bees. I think a thousand people are killed a year by bees. Yeah, but allergies. So Thirty-two hundred people a year are killed by scorpions, but we're we're ragging on the animal that kills ten people a year. And how many do we kill? A hundred. We wise? kill a hundred million sharks a year for soup, and we've decided to make a whole group of films where th- this species of fish is some kind of dangerous, like master apex predator that you should never set foot in the water, and sharks are to be feared. And also, it 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 takes away from the horror and and the disgustingness of killing ten million. Sorry, a hundred million. A hundred million sharks a year, because people see these this carnage and and you know as as someone who understands the nature of sharks, it's it's heartbreaking. But someone whose whose only real exposure to sharks is through films where they're just said to be evil they're less bothered by it like it's not so so much of a problem to them because they're like well sharks are kind of awful anyway so why should i care about their death exactly. and yeah so i think it's dangerous for these 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 films to be so prolific in hollywood honestly there's so many sh- films where sharks yeah. you see the backlash against sharks when jaws came yeah out. it mm. was absurd it was absurd and I I did a bit of work with um, a lemon shark nursery in the Seychelles. This isn't like a name drop, but the fact is, lemon sharks are just fish. They have friends. They're just they're just things trying to get along. Every animal in the world just wants to live long enough to mate. Yeah. That's really all anything is about. Just like Hanley. And, <laughs> and Handley is therefore going to live forever. <laughs> I'm going to be four hundred. <laughs> Like lonesome George the tortoise. <laughs> <laughs> Just 
lonesome Handley. Yeah. The one one thing I was going to add to that point though, well, is that the these like what they call like virtues that they've given sharks and wolves that you mentioned like vengefulness and like pure aggressiveness to like stalk someone for no reason like they're human traits they're they Mm, they're only found in humans as far as we know and crows and (laughs) and crows (laughs) yeah uh where's the crow film isn't it like the birds birds. yeah yeah Yeah, they're nondescript birds but the thing is that we're these issues that we always that make us fear these animals are anthropomorph. I can't say the word fast, but anthropomorph. Exactly. They're, they're just us putting our own fears about each other on animals and making it dangerous. It's horrible. Yeah, and it's it's interesting to me that, uh, <laughs> Matt, like these these films are portrayed as man versus nature. Like nature is a force. Like it's an un. Like it's it's. Nature isn't a force. It's seven, several trillion things all just trying to have sex. <laughs> That's all nature is. I mean, it's great, and we should fight to keep it. But to have it thought of as like some kind of it exists purely for malice, like the fucking xenomorph from Alien. No, that's not right at all. And it's it's dangerous and frustrating yeah. to watch. It's like the what's that? Which documentary was? Is it Planet Earth with the race of snakes and the iguanas? Yeah. And yeah. like okay it happens like you know they're hungry snakes but after that everyone was like oh them horrible snakes they're just trying to eat like they're right. not doing it's it the to kill the like... babies on purpose and not eat them it's people will be like oh my god what horrible snakes what horrible creatures anyway i'm off to the shop to buy four burgers exactly. and that will not and, and that and i will not think about that in any way and probably won't like end up throwing away the burgers because it's too rainy outside to have a barbecue and we don't feel like it yeah. you know which is what the snake exactly. Did. <laughs> well, that essentially is what and, the shark did in the shallows when he bit that guy in half and then just left him on the beach, which no one yeah, fucking saw throughout the whole film. Where did that yeah, guy how go? Did he walk to a beach. The kids like found the helmet with a GoPro on it, but not half a man. <laughs> how did the man get right to to bring up your point about the shark being in the wrong depth? How he's in half, right? His back end is like in the where the waves are coming in how did he get that far and then get further it doesn't make sense it doesn't make sense about it tide action <laughs> yeah it's riptide and, yeah you should have swum perpendicular I'm waves in it. <laughs> it's yeah. all stupid <laughs> the, anyway, the, the so... idea that we're trying to say what is accurate about this film is laughable <laughs> because there's nothing accurate about it it's just a joke <laughs> Well, that seems like a good point to just get, to to score it. However, you want to say it. Do you want to wrap it Ten. up? Final thoughts on it. Ten. <laughs> Genuinely, a shocking portrayal of a deeply misunderstood species. And being zoologists and ecologists that we are, uh, it it feels at point at times like our job is to just like be a party pooper, just to come in and go. Oh, well, well, actually. Like someone went, oh, should we should we meet up and have a barbie? And be like, well, well, actually, you know, meat is the biggest perpetrator of climate <laughs> change. And you watch a cool shark film where Blake Lively does her fucking wetsuit just up, not quite enough, so that you can stare at her tits for half an hour, mm. which I'm sure was her choice and not the director's. <laughs> but we have to come and go. Oh, well, actually, um, sharks wouldn't do that. They'd feed on the carcass and then retreat to deeper waters. 
No one wants to hear that because it's not interesting. So why are we making this podcast? Um, because I because I want to vent. <laughs> nice. Well, if we're going to talk about being a party pooper, the next one's going to be even worse. <laughs> um, see, I, I I didn't mind it. I thought it was um fairly accurate with its behaviours. Oh, <laughs> oh my up. god! Fuck off. Um, yeah, it's inexcusable. It's, it's a, a it's a ten out of ten for animal shit housery. I give it a nine and a half on the sh- nine and a half on the shit scale, just because. There's always going to be something. Because it looks like a shark. Because the shark was in the sea. (laughs) Because it's in Mexico, and also birds do have wings. So, no, no. (laughs) Two very good points. I might might knock mine down to a seven now after that. (laughs) Poor Stephen, they did him so dirty. He survived. He did survive. Like, do you remember the bit where she relocated the bird's wing? She's like, it's the same as humans. Like, it's literally nothing. Like, there's nothing the same about a human dislocated arm and a bird wing. I mean, like dislocating. That joint is also an is also the wrist. It's not even the it's not even the shoulder. Anyway, it's a a travesty. It's a lazy cookie cutter attempt at uh, representing guilt and escapism and using a big shark. And everything about it sucks and is wrong. And yeah, it did really well in box office. So. And it got 78% of Rotten Tomatoes, yeah. and that pains The world's me. a fucking lie. Uh, and on that note, <laughs> should we move on to our final film? Final, final. Who, want, who wants to intro Jungle Book? I don't mind. Do we need to intro Jungle Book? Well, that was going to be it's my, a, yeah, that was going to be my intro, really. Classic. I'll go on then, Phoebe. Well, that's exactly what George said. You can't really, there's no real intro needed. Everyone knows yeah, what, <laughs> but everyone knows like the premise of Jungle Book. You know, boy in jungle, raised by wolves, fighting with its his nature of being a man. You know, it's it's all very realistic. That when I was starting to watch this this film and like making notes, as I'm sure you guys did, there's there's lots of problems with it. Um, like small, very small problem. One of the main being that the all the animals speak and um <laughs> are we really gonna can we can we yeah no, I, that? Like, I, I, feel I feel like, like we can't really like obviously animals don't yeah speak. well <laughs> what i mean is this is a good segue between the the last two films because this film also anthropomorphizes animals um but there's still a lot that's realistic um for instance the wolves are a lot better far better and and in this and and even though that parts of them are in the jungle which isn't realistic their behaviors are a lot better um they're not vengeful in fact they're kind of (laughs) peacekeeping pretty chill um however the one thing i wanted to like i think it'd be good just to do like a intro of this film is speak about the animals that are in the film and which should be there and which shouldn't be there um only a few of them because obviously there's a lot in there so it's set in India in the jungle. Now it doesn't necessarily say when it was set, but it is sort of the 1940s, I think. Sorry, 1840s. God, I can't speak. So it's kind of um, you can kind of make an idea of it from there. How things would be a bit different. Um, so we'll t- a few of the main animals. Blue is supposed to be a sloth bear in the 2016 version. And yet looks exactly like a brown bear, but whatever. 
I had I had to have Georgia tell me that it was a sloth bear. Yeah. Well, it says it's a sloth bear. They said, oh, sloth bears don't hibernate or something. And, it, and it's like, how are you a sloth bear? Like, yeah. <laughs> you, know the, you know those black bears? Yeah. To be fair, he does eat fruit and honey. So he's not like, you know... So does the pangolin. I feel like <laughs> the, pecker, the peccary that he licks the honey off, if he was any other kind of bear, he'd probably just eat the peccary as some honey roasted pork you know he'd also be about oh. a third of the size though if he was a flop yeah so i don't know um but sloth bears are found in india so maybe they just wanted a brown bear in india so they called him a sloth bear fair enough um and then you've got obviously uh bagheera the black panther uh, which is basically a jaguar with the you know melanistic jaguar um this is a Gone. You called um, Bagheera a jaguar. He would be a leopard. He would be. Oh my god, this is the same problem I had in Africa. It's coming back to bite me. <laughs> right, I'm going to redo that. like the shark. Yeah. <laughs> so, I'm going to redo that. So That point just knocked me 70 feet in the air. <laughs> so, you've got... Um, Car, oh, sorry, wait, I forgot where I am now. Yeah, so Car is the big python, it's supposed to be a rock python, um, even though it's like the size of Titanoboa, which was what was it, 60 million years ago? So obviously some discrepancies there. Um, another one which obviously is a big part of it is the Gigantopithecus, King Louis. Um, it's the one thing I think is good about that is they're getting away from it being an orangutan from the original. Because obviously orangutans are not found in India, um, but there wasn't a lot of sort of overlap of humans and Gigantopithecus. Um, and even though sometimes they were found in India, like they were found in other areas more, um, so it's a bit of a stretch. Um, I was thinking that maybe one thing they were trying to play off is that maybe this was like the last found Gigantopithecus, like. They thought they were extinct. There's one left over, but that's a bit of a push as well. Um, and then there's other little animals. You know, there's apparently there's an ocelot, which aren't found in India, um, and other things like that. However, there's... Jaboas would be found in the desert also. Yeah, exactly. There's a lot of problems there. I really like the elephants in this film because they're... They, I can't remember the exact word. I should have written it down. They, they talk about how elephants created the area. Because they, you know, paved the way, they ripped out the soil or something, and and basically they're describing ecosystem engineers, which is what an uh, elephant is. The major problem is that all the elephants have tusks in the film, <laughs> so apparently they're all dudes. <laughs> and there's a baby. So what we're talking about here is a like a massive issue because there would be a lot of females there. You know, there probably wouldn't be twenty males in a group. Um, to be fair, African elephants and females have tusks, so maybe they kind of like they're like they're like well, nearly there. I looked at, so it's uh, Indian elephants, aren't they? That's that's what they are. Well, yeah, that's Asian in India. Elephant. That's what we're assuming. Yeah, that um, yeah. females don't uh, females um, don't have tusks at all in Indian elephants, apparently. No, I know. I'm saying that um, African elephant females oh, right. do. Okay, so maybe they're just so it's like in mixed. The wrong area. Yeah, and those elephants were pretty damn huge. They were. So maybe they're just. And they didn't have pink ears. I don't know, globe trying. Those pink ears that they always have. Mm. Mm. So yeah, so we have discrepancies in location. Yeah. 
as a major point of the film. And again, it's like, who cares? Exactly. But you should care. <laughs> you should care because this is Disney making films for children. Exactly. And they're feeding them the wrong information young. And it feels really boring to say that, but it is But true. this is the point I'm... Sorry, I remember now. The point I wanted to make from all these problems are these discrepancies... Uh, for me, I don't know about you guys, are not a big deal. No. Even though a lot of them, they add up to worse, possibly, than what the grey and the, in the shallows have. The majority of it is quite correct. And the things that are wrong about the other two films are dangerous, whereas this film, they're not. You know, apart from Car the Big Python being some kind of hypnotising evil entity you know yeah just yeah that's a good quick point we're gonna make (laughs) this film this film is much better but still doesn't escape the trope of (laughs) look at this nefarious creepy beast i don't know because like she is just trying to eat yeah but she just wants to snack on mowgli do python sort of lull their prey into a false sense of security and then attack them. No, they bite them and then wrap themselves around from their head first and suffocate them. There's no, like, shimmering eyes yeah. and seductive Scarlett Johansson voice. I mean, I wish there to was. To a child. Can, which we, is, not, can we not? Are we, it's kind of weird. I'm, that's all I'm touching on here. In the, in the book, Rudyard Kipling's OG, Car is not evil. Car doesn't try and, like, Car is just a chill dude who's just trying to help Malcolm on his way. The uh, the I don't know when the Jungle Book was made. Sorry. The original was Are it you Mowgli. Yeah, I thought that it's Mowgli. <laughs> I don't care. It's like Blake Lively all over again. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, is it Mowgli it or Mowgli? It's Mowgli. <laughs> Shut Mowgli. up, Mowgli. Hollywood. I was trying to find when Jungle Book was actually made. Jungle Book. Written. 90... No. Oh, 1890. What? No, 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 sorry. Um, The ah. cartoon. 1967? No. Yeah. 1967. 19... Holy macaroni. Anyway, so in 1967 when they've... I don't know whether it was the first um time they made it into a film... They made the conscious decision to... They have a snake, and snakes are evil, so they must therefore make the snake in this film evil, which perpetuates false like narratives about snakes, really, because they're so stupid. They sometimes eat themselves when they're <laughs> eating the, the food that they eat because there's, there's the food has touched them, and they smell the food on them, so they start eating themselves. Classic. Like, that happens on a semi-regular basis. Well, and the other thing is that we can't say that this film doesn't make animals evil because there's probably one of the most memorable evil people, <laughs> which is Idris Elba. Idris Elba. <laughs> ben Kingsley, yeah. Um, but, you know, he's he's a, a big villain um, and he does track. The whole point of the film is that he tracks Mowgli across the jungle um, and all the other animals protect him, which... Well, Obviously bullshit, but nice of them, really. Well, you know the law of the jungle. Yeah. That's well, that's one of the glaring problems in this film is the fact that none of these animals are trying to eat each other, except for Shere Khan, <laughs> who is actually the only realistic animal. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, there's no way that um, 
Bagheera would have would have looked down on snack size Mowgli and not, you know, immediately scoffed him up. Yeah. It's really grating Hadley that you keep saying Mowgli. Sorry, fucking Mowgli. Does it really matter? It's his name. He's like the Mowgli. main character. <laughs> Mowgli. Mowgli. Some people say it's Mowgli. It's not A, though. Mowgli. The gr- it's an O. The, Mowgli. The, the grey starring Liam Nissen. <laughs> he made the cards. <laughs> Um, yeah, so there isn't, there isn't obviously a bad guy animal in this film, and it does make you hate them. Tigers, I mean. Um, but there's also a valid, I know it's anthropomorphized, but it's a valid reason why Shere Khan doesn't like Mowgli, is because he's scared of man, and tigers do avoid men, so I know they probably wouldn't hunt a single boy down in the forest because he's scared that it'll grow into a man, but they'd probably try and kill a boy if it was in the area. Mm. I did think all the 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 fight interactions were quite good. Um obviously not a hundred percent accurate, but the way in which Shere Khan firstly fought the, the wolves, um and how easily um he killed Akila just simply like, you know, biting him on the back of the neck or spine or whatever it was and throwing him to one side just that easily um, and then none of the wolves challenged because they would just all have been decimated immediately um, even the fight between Shere Khan and Bagheera um, a lot of the behaviours in that, you know, where Bagheera's underneath kicking up at his chin um, I thought there were some, some moments where it, it felt like they had taken five minutes to look into how cats fight each other or how tigers have interacted with smaller pack animals in the wild you know it's it's not that the fights would necessarily ever take place in the wild um and so for that i suppose on that note they're they're unrealistic um but i do think that in terms of a style of a, a behavioral style i thought it was better it just feels like this this book. I know, obviously, we're talking about Roger Kipling and like whatever it was that he wrote the book. Well, you know, it's it does feel like he sat there with a book of the Indian jungle and with basic facts, except for the fact that Gigantopithecus or whatever he wanted there. They've kind of sat there and thought, okay, what would these animals do if they were humanized and trying to protect one individual? You know, this this slight little bits that are realistic. The other thing I wanted to say is the reason we're probably being very nice on Jungle Book is because it's all part of our childhood. <laughs> and yeah. realistically, it wasn't. It wasn't mine. I don't give a okay, shit. Okay, well, we'll let you rip into it in um, for a minute. But the reason I'm being nicer is because I really like the story. You know, it's it's a. I didn't go to bed reading books about Blake Lively being chomped on by a massive violent shark so i'm probably more angry about that um well that is on (laughs) yeah my fault that's my bad but then i um sorry carry on phoebe no i finished sorry but then i think i think that's a worthy point that we've maybe we've not really brought it up yet when you've got films like like well obviously books like but films like the jungle book um you've got these there's almost more license to be slightly wrong. I know Will's already said, obviously, it's bad because you're setting a a negative precedent, a negative teaching of animals right from the off. But but there is a little bit more 
excusability. You, you know, you, you've, you've got that ability to let the film have a couple more inaccuracies because they're not trying to force a negative narrative of an animal on on the the viewer um again if anything i would say that the the negative image is on man not on animals so carry on what you're gonna say no i i agree um it's it's the the negativity of of man rather than the negativity negativity of animals obviously you know animals aren't going to work together and that's very much so a fantastical um image to be portraying but you're able to get away with more when you're making a happier film you know very true yeah are you getting away with more though because you've already established that this is completely and utterly fictional for the animals are speaking as well like you take this film less seriously because everyone knows that animals don't speak so you're more likely to take um all the information that you're given in this film with a pinch of salt yeah rather than you know it seems more like all the other films are way more serious i also i kind of i, I don't want to say appreciate it but in fact i didn't appreciate it i kind of it kind of annoyed me the bit where the pangolin's being annoying <laughs> and Baloo turns to him and goes you're going to be even more endangered in a second because you've never and been more endangered like, yeah something like that. and he's like and that felt to me like Disney going right well we solved the pet trade let's move on <laughs> throwaway line will we'll, we'll end you know, and the joke is that actually they're it. more endangered now because everyone hates them because of COVID so I guess the joke's on them yeah, <laughs> yeah the joke's on Disney because of COVID <laughs> that full Disney, circle idiots the, the other thing as well, just leading on from that point you said about what Hanley was saying. Another reason why I can be a bit more lax with this film is is that if you get someone who's never read a science book, <laughs> those science books we all know. Um, Have you read the latest book of science? <laughs> and they go into the Indian jungle and they see, I don't know, one of the animals in those films that my, maybe is not exactly as they are in real life, they probably won't try and kill it because of what happened in the film. In my opinion. Yeah, they they, yeah, they have families and they, they have little chats in between themselves, so why would you kill a nicer anthropomorphized animal yeah. that isn't hunting you down For vengeance. through a sandy beach? Exactly. It's, it's the reverse anthropomorphization of animals that are just like us guys, which is equally untrue as to animals are evil machinating vile creatures. Both aspects are wrong, but at least this one makes it. The jungle was just less dangerous. Yeah. On a film. I think that is an important point. I know, obviously, we're here to say what's accurate and what's not, but I think it is important. I would much rather have this film on TV than The Shallows. Although, can we just say that um, fucking Christopher Walken singing Oh, terrible. I be like you was actually awful and I wanted to die. And why would they pick that film for that post-credits? I feel like. I wish I was in the room when the directors were sat around a table and they were like, who's going to play King Louis? We need this like really scary, big orangutan-style animal. And they were like, do you know who should? Christopher Walken. That's a perfect match. And just that idea. 
It's like getting the wrong because obviously you want distinctive voices in a in a film like that. You got Ben Kingsley, you got Idris Elba, you know, and then oh yeah, Christopher Walken. He's really like you know who he is by his voice, but you got to have someone who's a good voice actor in it. Yeah, it, it's it's the whole point of his character, as far as I'm concerned, as someone who doesn't really care for this film, is that he has a song. Yeah. So why did you get a man who can't sing? What did you say when he was talking? You were like, Christopher Walken acts like he forgets every single word halfway through. Yeah. yeah. And It's like he was handed the script three months ago <laughs> and has to recite it from memory. And, I'm like, a monkey! <laughs> Idris Elba, I know it sounds like Idris Elba, he's got a great voice, but he changes his voice, it's up and down, it's got many notes, to be Shere Khan. He's terrifying, he's got gravitas, he's a bit sinister, but he's also, I don't know, dominating in, in his voice. Christopher Walker's just talking like he would on a daily basis. Like, he might as well be at the shop. He's not done fuck all for this. <laughs> you know? Idris Elba is acting, whereas Christopher Walken is Speaking. receiving a paycheck. And it's it's like a big role. That's what I'm angry about. Every other, every other person on this in this film, the, the choice seems perfect. Bill Murray is hilarious as Baloo, you know. Um, ben Kingsley is hilarious. Not hilarious. He's great in this film. Like, Idris Elba is the perfect match. We already discussed, I don't know if we're going to put it in the podcast. Giancarlo Esposito. Perfect. <laughs> Lupita Nyong'o. She's, she's, exactly. She's got a, yeah. Like, Scarlett Johansson and Scarlett is Johansson, sexy. She's in less than a scene. Do you know what I <laughs> yeah. mean? She's not sexy. She is. It's just a sexy snake. Sexy. But it. she's got a great voice for a snake. You know, she's got this kind of very... The whole point of it is that it's kind of lulling Mowgli into like a false sense of security and then so she can get fast like close enough she straight up hypnotised that voice yeah but, yeah but her voice like imagine if Christopher Walken played <laughs> Mowgli <laughs> like... look into yeah. my eyes <laughs> come here little child but the problem is if they'd given the wrong script around Christopher Walken would have done that whereas like it's, oh it just it winds me up I know what they were trying to do. Yeah, they were, were getting, trying to... We're getting off topic here, Phoebe. <laughs> so, right. So, the points are, it's a nicer portrayal of animals, which is important for kids to realise that they aren't all Eagle. angry, vengeful hunters. Still wrong, but in a nicer way. Yeah. A better kind of Not wrong. all of it's wrong, though, compared to the shallows. Or the grey. <laughs> you could say that about anything, though. <laughs> Not all of Handley's dissertation <laughs> is wrong, compared to the shallows. <laughs> I'd argue that my <laughs> dissertation was there. <laughs> it was physically existed. We had a reminisce about that time that you thought an uh, essay was due like three days later than it actually was, and we asked you how the essay was going, and you were like, what, the one due for Friday? And we're like, no, the one due for tomorrow, and you're like, fuck. Genuinely, it it boils my piss that me and Hammy got the same grade. <laughs> We've just found the chat. We've had a conversation between me and Hamza. Read it. It's not the one, but it's a one. A classic example. I, I messaged him saying, um, how's the essay? Handy replies with, I have some words. <laughs> so I write, how many? And he replies, I mean, what does that really matter if it's quality? <laughs> and I reply with, because of the word count, probably. <laughs> so he says, 68. I have 68 words. I remember that one. And I reply with, one more, mate. <laughs> And that's pretty much it. <laughs> Still smashed it out. Got a grade. I was going to say, Hanley is the winner for Got pulling it out of his ass at the last minute. Yeah. 
Maybe you should have been on the sh- in the shallows writing. <laughs> if anyone had, had any one of us had made it to the credits, would have seen him as a yeah. Yeah, super. <laughs> he'd be he'd consultant. be playing Steven Seagal. <laughs> he was actually the shark. <laughs> He's like, and then I'm gonna hit the sick ramp and volley the whale. Oh God. Right, let's wrap up on Jungle okay. Book because this is deteriorating. So overall, Jungle Book, there's lots of little problems with it. But overall, I feel like every single species is a little bit better than every other Monster vs. Man film. And more importantly, from what we discussed is, the problems with Jungle Book do not have the same ripple effect that the problems from these vindictive animal films have. So whether you're interested in really accurate films or you're just interested in better films i still think jungle book's better personally do we know a film that accurately portrays the animal that it's trying to frogs (laughs) now ladies and gentlemen whilst i've got your attention (laughs) no handley 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 the bee movies (laughs) so i would probably give jungle book I mean, maybe I'm being clouded by my love from the the book and the film from when I was younger, but I'd give it maybe like a five. For me, the maybe even less. Maybe I'd give it a four. I think maybe I'd give it a four, but I'm definitely being swayed by my personal preference. However, I just think that the negatives are outweighed by the the joy and the things that they did get right. Hanley, what do you think? Yeah, I was bouncing around between four, five, and six. Um location obviously wasn't wasn't superb they did have a lot of species that were either portrayed wrong you know Baloo being a sloth bear that didn't look anything like a sloth bear um but again having said that I, one of the biggest things for me is is the behavior of the animal because if it's a if it's a location it's a location you know it's 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 what it is um but if you're portraying the behavior of the animal wrong then that's going to be what has the larger influence on people's opinions of the animals. Um, honestly, I, I think I can't give it anything lower than a five um, because of the, the issues that were there. But I think, yeah, five out of ten for me. I'd give it a six out of ten because I do think that we're letting our feelings from the 1967 classic cloud our judgment and it it, it, I mean, it wasn't a great film, and it didn't portray animals particularly the animals that it was trying to in a in a completely correct light. And I completely lost my train of thought. I'd like to add that on Rotten Tomatoes, it got ninety four percent. How? Oh, Christopher off. Walken ruined it. Well, that was a six percent. It lost. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. Anyone has any? If anyone has any closing remarks. What do we what what do we think that these three films highlight about Hollywood's attitude towards animals? That a, a villain a film needs a villain at any cost, <laughs> which makes sense. But stop making it an animal that isn't villainous in any mm. way. Make more films with crows. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think that um, they often build the animals around the film rather than they build the film around the animals, even when the film's about animals. Um, I think that's one of the major points that I've taken from any animal film ever. Uh, yeah, I think Hollywood 
because I know Hollywood are listening to this. <laughs> they had a direct message to Hollywood, which be just stop what you're doing. I know it's profitable. I know that it's easy, but it's dangerous and it's lazy. And you're better than that. I mean, most of you aren't, but some of you are better than that. And I think we deserve a better portrayal of animals. Work. I I think I think I would agree. Um, Hollywood's always been a shit way to study animals. How realistically any media portrayal of animals is atrocious. Um, and maybe that's just where we need to. Maybe that's where Hollywood needs to take a long, hard look in the mirror. Your big corporations, and maybe the way that Hollywood needs to look in the mirror first of all is all the sexual assault. Maybe this isn't maybe as maybe, important. Maybe that. But should then, be... all, then also the shallows. <laughs> I'm just gonna wrap. I'll wrap it up here. Yeah. That was. I feel like we've touched on a lot of good points. I feel like most people have stopped listening. Um, but to those of you that didn't, thank you very much for listening. Thank you for all three of you for joining me. I'm glad we got this all off our chest and we're better people for doing so. Please join us next week when we talk about the 1972 classic <laughs> horror film, Frogs. Do I get to speak about Godzilla then if you're talking about frogs? Uh, we're off Can here. I speak about the beef? <laughs> right, okay. This, we're going out.